Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. This time we are coming to you from Montreal, Canada, where I'm currently attending Heavy Montreal. So many great bands, diverse bands, and I am here with Mitch Lafon. and today Mitch and I are going to interview Corey from Trivium. Hey Mitch, how are you? Good, good, and uh, welcome to my hometown. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you brought me up here or suggested I come up here way back in 2014. Correct. And I came up for just one day, and that was Twisted Sister. Remember, played? That that was was great. That was outstanding. Slayer. Same festival as Metallica, and so there was like 45,000 crazies out there. And and that Twisted Sister show, they flew in from Belgium, got here at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, took a nap, and then were on stage by like 7, so they got like two and a half hours sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what a day it was for them. And then we were back. I was back the next year. I'm trying to think that was Faith No More, Testament, Iggy Pop. Who else was on that 2015 one? I'm trying. Uh, Marky Ramone. Yes. Of Marky course, Ramone. the one and only Fozzie was there. Yeah, Fozzie were great. They played Foz- at like 
12 oh. noon or something, yeah. We also had Warrant that year. Yes, Warrant, that's correct. Yeah, Venom Inc., I, I mentioned, they were there that year. Was Venom Inc. that year? Yes. Okay, yep. yeah. Yep. And, yeah, what, always and such a Metallica, like we said. Well, yeah, that was yeah. the year before. That was, uh, that was 2014. I was talking... Oh, right, 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 sorry. Right, right, right. 2015. But anyways, uh, I'm back. 2018, so happy to be here. And we're going to have a ton of great interviews coming your way, all recorded here in person at Heavy Montreal. Mitch, let's talk about your show. You are on the Westwood One radio network or podcasting network. Podcast yeah. network, yeah. yeah. And Chris Jericho, that you're still under his umbrella of shows? Right. right. So like uh, the way I always explain it, it's a little bit like Howard Stern and Sirius XM. Right, gotcha. So he's got Channel 100 and 101, blah, 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 the Howard. Right. So Westwood One has a little branch that is dedicated to Chris Jericho and, and the Jericho Network show. So you've got a few wrestling shows, you've got a few rock shows, you've got Talk is Jericho, which everybody loves. Right, yeah. And then, of course, I'm in there, too. So I'm, I'm sort of the Bubba the Love Sponge of uh, okay gotcha. <laughs> of the Jericho right, right. Network. No, good good analogy one. for us Stern fans. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely cool. And the show is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. It's available on iTunes and all of your normal yeah. podcasting and, and outlets. And for some reason, I liked saying Amazon Alexa because that's like the weird one for me. I go, oh, I'm on Amazon Alexa. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. I yeah. Don't, so you can get podcasts through Amazon Alexa. Yeah. I don't even so you, es- you essentially can walk into your living room and say, Mitch LaFon, and I'll appear. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Okay. Very cool. Which is, which is weird to me, but I like it. Well, I tell you what, let's get into some music right now by Trivium. This is the title track off their most recent record, The Sin and the Sentence. And this will be followed by Mitch and myself interviewing Corey from Trivium at Heavy Montreal. Bells calling out my name. I knew I'd never see another day. I couldn't swim against the tides of blame. I knew there was no other way. You better practice your life. You better practice your words. Yeah, yeah. 
Check, check, check. Last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and I'm here with Mitch Lafon of the Westwood One Radio Network. And we are here at Heavy Montreal, and we are joined by Corey from Trivium. You guys are going to be hitting the stage today at Heavy Montreal. Have you played Heavy Montreal before, Corey? We have. Uh, I've been trying to remember the year. Someone else asked me that earlier. But, uh, yeah, we played back, uh, you know, I think the one time we, we did play, they, they still had Heavy T.O. in Toronto right, at the right. same like, weekend because we hit both of them. And then we were supposed to play it a couple years ago, but we had to cancel a bunch of shows for... Um, we had some uh, scheduling issues, or I can't remember. Or drummer rehearsals. No, no, this was... Uh, I think we got booked to play it like a, a one-off, and then there was just some like scheduling with like transportation, getting up here and gear, and it was just like too much of a clusterfuck, so uh, we had to cancel... Um, but it's fun, you know. Uh, we're looking forward to playing this festival, you know. Since we couldn't, we had to cancel last time, and uh, since this new record came out, can't all our Canadian shows on the last tour sold out, and uh, some of our biggest shows we've had in in Canada. So people seem to be uh, stoked and excited. So uh, the uh, Montreal show we had on the the last tour was was pretty pretty wild. So I'm sure everyone's gonna, you know, step it up today. Yeah, so if you can, talk to me about the importance of festivals, because you have this, you have Vakken, you have, of course, Hellfest. That seems to be the norm, especially in Europe. What does it mean for a band like Trivium to have access to crowds of 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people? Uh, it's, you know, it's important. You know, we've done the, the festival circuit has been, especially in Europe and now in America, since there's so many destination weekend festivals now, it's uh, it's been an important part of our growth throughout the years. And, you know, we can attest to, you know, having that one festival slot that just has like that, you just have that magic moment can like one show can kind of change the trajectory of your band, especially when we did download in 05 playing at like 1130 or something on the main stage, first band of the day. And, you know, that record, like, you know, our next tour after that was completely sold out. The record, you know, went gold in the UK. You know, you know, basically off of, you know, playing in front of that many people at one time and just people just connecting with it. Um, so we've had that, you know, playing Vakken for the first time, like Made in Waves, our highest selling record in in Germany. So, um, you know, it's it's even though if you're playing for 30, 40, 50 minutes, it's kind of like you're, like you're mixtaped. Like, hey, uh, want to check out this band? I made like your greatest greatest hits to uh, show you what the band's all about and then hopefully you know we play this and then the next time we come back you know we have some you know Canadian shows in the uh, on our fall tour but they're all kind of west west central you know Calgary Edmonton kind of area uh, we don't have a Montreal or Toronto headlining show on that that tour but hopefully you know um, people see us at this show will uh, insp- you know kind of make going to see Trivium on a headlining tour in the future like a priority. So it's a great way to kind of show people what you're all about and, and excite people and then them wanting to see a longer show and your show like right. full on instead of like the little little Greatest sample. Chance, right? Yeah, a little sample size. So we've been getting that a lot, you know, from playing <clears throat> Rock and the Range or Carolina Rebellion. We'll play like some show in you know, I guess in the region of that and they'll be like, Yeah, I saw you at Carolina Rebellion and you're just like, Yeah, you know, it's the festival's do help and uh definitely brings you know 
you know, fans can come out to this, you know, and see a lot of different bands, and hopefully, we'll see a band they've never heard of and uh, kind of become a fan. And there's a bee right around us. <laughs> Corey, you guys tend to put out records every other year, every year at some point. You guys are always putting out new music, unlike a lot of bands that put out new music every five, six years. Why Why so much new music? Is it just the creativity? Is it that you feel you owe it to the fans? Uh, why are you different than most bands who tend to not put out so much new music? Uh, it's just kind of, you know, we're always writing stuff, and it's great. Our band, like, you know, three of us all write, so, you know, the burden of you writing know, a record. Yeah, so, like, the burden of writing a whole album is not, like, falling on one person to kind of carry the load, so... When you have a record, you know, of like 12 songs and there's three people writing, it's like you really don't have, you can, everyone can focus on bringing the best possible stuff instead of quality or quantity. It's, you know, if, even if one person writes one song, it's like, um, it, it could be like the best song on the album. Like if you just kind of like, you know, focus in on it. So um, we're always writing and, and the great thing about it is like, you know, the best stuff we just get into a room and just kind of like, you might not have anything and we just start screwing around and the next thing you know, it's like, you're like, whoa, this is, we, we gotta, gotta work on this. You know, something really cool could happen. It's all about that kind of garage band kind of just getting into a room and just sweating it out and just kind of bouncing ideas off the wall. And we like to write new stuff and then we're always kind of thinking concepts and um, kind of where we want to take a record in a certain direction and that gets you excited to kind of try some different things and maybe you didn't do on the previous album and um so it's always fun to kind of like see where see where you can take the the music and uh it's you know i guess it's like you're in a band and, and whatever and it's like you only live once so it's might as well right. you know you know let me he put out more records than anybody yeah, <laughs> no, like, i love it i mean that's when i was a kid bands put out records every every two years and i think it's important i think some of these younger bands they wait too long to uh <laughs> you know in between albums and i think that can hurt the momentum yeah the uh you know now it's kind of like we've kind of seen like because we've always been obviously said like it's like every like two years like i think like we've been in the same kind of cycle because it's like i think i looked it up one day and it was like out of eight records, five of them have like come out in like October. Yeah. So it's like it's like man, we're pretty consistent. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, we're kind of seeing how like you know everyone kind of shifting more towards streaming, and like all the playlists and and kind of like more. I guess it's kind of like being more focused on kind of like a singles kind of kind of thing where it's like if you have like a single on a playlist that could, you know, obviously like get like viral or something. So. We're kind of looking into like maybe like trying to like mix it up from the every out al like an album every two years by maybe kind of doing something a little different, but um, still kind of focusing on uh, you know trying to get some new material out sooner than later, but maybe not in uh, the traditional album sense. But uh, we're kind of like still kind of kind of waiting and seeing, but uh, we're we're definitely looking forward to doing something with getting some new content out to the fans it's you know in the near future right on yeah we, we love great content uh bands like metallica and guns and roses play stadiums to themselves and have had an incredible amount of success and have done exceptionally well for the metal scene and the hard rock scene what does it take for a band like trivium to get to that next level and in this day and age the way the market is is it even possible to get to that next level or is this sort of the best where where, where we're at right now 
Uh, it's 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 harder to, I guess, kind of gauge that since those bands kind of you know came from the the era where records sold like shitloads, and there wasn't as many bands um, in the scene overall, and like seemed like back in the '80s, early '90s, like most hard rock bands, if you were like a platinum selling band, you were playing arenas and stuff like that. So, um, and obviously, not everyone has you know that one moment in time where you write an appetite or black album type of record that 30 years after it's released but still does it come sells. down to just songs or is it about a marketing plan what sort uh, of that secret sauce if you want it's it mostly just comes down to you know you could spend a shitload of money trying to force feed people a, a, a bullshit song right. and it's like still doesn't catch on you know i've seen it even now where bands on active rock charts in america like they have their in or have the person working it that just knows everybody and they'll have like a number one song and like they'll have a number one or like multiple number ones on a record and then we fight tooth and nail and barely get you know like we have to like you know do everything possible to get pe- to convince people to play our song and that band who has a number one we've sold like you know three times as many albums as them and it's just like well it's it all comes down to the fans connecting with the, the songs and the music and the authenticity of it and stuff. And if you just write like a cookie cutter, you know, whatever song, it's like not, you know, guaranteed to connect with people. So it's quality of the song. And also, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of luck of just like the atmosphere and the music scene. You could just kind of hit at the right time or, you know, you always see in bands like, oh, they were ahead of their time and weren't appreciated till years later. It's like, you know, you kind of need a little bit of luck with just kind of, hitting at the right moment with the right sound and uh and then obviously if you have a good product the label you know has something to work with so it's like they can you know spend the money wisely and and it will uh hopefully the that marketing plan will be you know worth the money because they have something worth selling (laughs) well and, and sin and sentence is a great album so that's money to be spent on that yeah and i think it's just you know for us this record has been mostly kind of just going out and playing live people seeing the show and also just word of mouth and just kind of letting the music do the talking with putting it out online and just people have been reacting really well to it and um it's really kind of put us in a really good spot because there's been a lot of fans coming out to the shows who've been like i haven't seen you for like eight years or five years so it's kind of like opened us up to a lot of new fans but also it's kind of gotten like fans that like you know everyone kind of has that point in time where you kind of like were into a band when you were like in the teenager and stuff and then once you kind of had to be a grown-up you know you kind of maybe like you know stop following them or like you know kind of other things kind of distract you from what's you know your music stuff so there's been a, it's been really cool to see people excited coming back out and, and kind of getting re-energized about about the band so it's really set us up for uh, the next record to you know really kind of to really kind hopefully there'll be you know, people will be really excited about the next one, and then you know, the touring will get even bigger. So it's it's been this whole this whole album's been a very big jump from the the previous previous ones. Yeah. yeah. So I'll I'll let Mark ask the last question, but I will remind listeners that their tour with Avatar starts in October, and October that will 30th. be that'll be kick ass because Trivium is always kick ass. And then Mark. Yeah, what do you got? I mean, on that note, to, to wrap things up here, Avatar, very different band than than Trivium. Visually, the sound is different. Do you uh, do you anticipate that you're gonna the fan base uh, 
is shared between you get two guys? I mean, or you, you're going to win over some of their fans. They're going to win over some of your fans. It's, it seems like uh, the, an odd match to me. Um, you know, we always try to find different different things to do. Um, odd and not bad. No, no. <laughs> it's no positive, actually. Yeah. Well, it works. I think it works. Yeah. yeah, it works. You know, Avatar plays a lot of the, the, you know, the same festivals and plays yeah. in front of the same crowds. So um, I don't think it's quite... It's like, obviously, it's nice to have both bands that have very different sounds because, you know, it's very, you know... Instead of having you know a bill of every band that sounds like you know Trivium clones, right. um, yeah. so it's it's gonna be cool. And uh, so far, it seems like fans have been really receptive because you know the tour doesn't start for a couple months, and like the shows have been ticket sales have, seems like people are pretty pretty excited right. about it. So a lot of shows that are almost you know half sold out a couple months before the tour even starts, which is which is really good since people usually kind of like wait till. <laughs> Near, closer up. to closer to the tour to to kind of buy tickets, but uh, seems like the, for how much you know people are buying tickets so far ahead of time, people are excited and uh, they be really cool because uh, Avatar's got a very different sound and show than us. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think there's still enough common ground shared that fans are excited to kind of see the whole bill and like the torch is going to be really cool because it's their first you know full tour since their their album came out. So. Uh, a lot of people will be able to see them for the first time because their new album's really killer. Um, Howard Jones. Yeah, yeah. so it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Um, looking forward to it. We tried to do something with Avatar a couple years ago, but uh, for some reason, timing or scheduling, it didn't work out because when we did that tour uh, with, with Sabaton, we were trying to get Avatar on that we're as well. At, and and then, Avatar were at that rock and derby thing I mentioned with you guys. Earlier. Yeah, so we were, we were, we were <laughs> yeah. trying to do something. Yeah, uh, playing shows we were trying to do something with them a couple years ago, and it didn't work out. And then uh, I think it was you know our management and their management or something. Someone kind of like sparked up a conversation, and it kind of came back up. And we're like, they really were interested in touring with us, and, and again or finally. And then you know we were like, yeah, I think it'd be really cool. Uh, we're you know want to do a headlining tour. We wanted to find a band that was had a strong fan base and a, a good live draw and yeah. you know just kind of seemed to be like a, a good timing and a, and a good match so uh yeah um i've only seen them briefly at like rock on the range so it'd be kind of fun you know seeing a band or having a band on tour that i haven't uh, really gotten to see the, the full deal yet yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i think it's great that they're not a, a trivium clone and hopefully the fan base is is opened and uh to uh, to different sounds and and looks for that matter, yeah. the very different yeah. look. Yeah, cool. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, no thank you, Corey. Cheers. Oh, thanks. Can we, can we get a picture with the uh, the, the rat? Oh, 
our interview with Corey Bollier from Trivium and the song you heard coming out of the interview was The Heart From Your Hate Mitch I wouldn't be here at Heavy Montreal if it weren't for you so thanks so much for introducing me to this great festival yeah. and I'm glad you enjoyed it and of course we want to thank the, the staff that made it all possible yes. they, they make it possible for me to walk around they flew you in Yes. so a big thank you to Peter and Caroline and, and JF and all the the Heavy Montreal Lisa Lee, staff yeah. Lisa Lee uh, Nick and all that and uh, you know one of the great things about this festival is that for for them it's just one of three or four they they after this they have Oceaga that, that has about 200,000 people show up then they do a whole EDM thing called Il Sonique it's just it's Festival City and of course it's it's it, it's on the back of the Just for Last Festival and, and don't forget 77 Montreal oh, right. which That's they the flew me up saying. Before Heavy Montreal, there was another festival called 77 Montreal. All punk music. Yeah, and they flew me up for that, and that was so much fun. Uh, I wasn't quite as jam-packed with interviews, so I got to really experience and go see a lot of the bands that played, including Suicidal and Suicidal Tendencies, that is, and Sick of It All and Rise Against, who I don't really know much about, but they were fantastic, and the crowd was going nuts for yeah, them. Weren't they? And I also conducted an interview with the legendary, I call him a godfather of punk rock, Joe Keithley from DOA. And if you go to my YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash talking metal, you can see me interview the guy who coined the phrase 
hardcore. Some would even say the inventor of hardcore, Joe Keithley of the amazing classic band DOA, who put on just an awesome performance here in Montreal at the 77 Montreal and don't Punk forget, Rock Festival. Real yeah. quick, Dave Lombardo with Suicidal yeah. Tendencies. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's interesting to see sort of the drummer of Slayer, which yeah. many people consider him to be the drummer of Slayer. Oh, yeah. Playing a punk festival, right? Right. Yeah. So that was that was kind of a cool yeah. little thing, right there. And what was that? The second year for the '77 Montreal. It's the second, the second right. annual, second uh, heavy annual. Montreal. I think we're on to our tenth year, and so it, it's just it's you know it's Festival City. Yeah, yeah. It was it's interesting the uh, the difference in the crowd between '77 Montreal and heavy Montreal. Yeah. I see some overlap, but definitely a, a, a different bunch of people for sure. Well, it's just funny. It, from the public perspective, when I come to 77, I'm just a face in the crowd. Nobody knows who the hell I am. Right, yeah. And when I come to Heavy Montreal, either a band or a tour manager or, or even a fan will say, hey, hey aren't Mitch, you Mitch yeah. LaFon? Right. And, and it's just, it's weird because you're sort of like, well, nobody knows me? Like, yeah. Okay, I'll just pretend I'm here. Right on. <laughs> you don't get any access to anything. Right on. Cool. And Mitch, where's the best place people can get in touch with you on social media? Uh, you can always uh, check out check me out on Twitter, at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N. But I always just say, Google the old Mitch Lafon, and then everything sort of pops up. And, and I'll, I'll answer emails, I'll answer texts, whatever you got. Cool. Happy to interact, happy to, you know, and thank people for checking out the show. And there you go. Absolutely. A great show. I was on a recent episode, actually. And by the way, we post... Just about every show that Mitch does on TalkingRock.net. So if uh, you know, you, it's a great place to go. You can get your your Mitch Lafon podcast, Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon, right on my website, TalkingRock.net. Also, Talking Metal is posted there. Random YouTube videos are posted there, like the Joe Keithley uh, one that I just mentioned. Uh, everything uh, Mark Striegel is available at talkingrock.net and again we all post all almost all of Mitch's shows there so it's a great place to go to get uh, everything Mark Striegel everything well not everything but most, most things Mitch LaFon yeah, yeah once in a while <laughs> I'll, I'll venture into a, a softer rock artist like Flock of Seagulls or right. even Rick Ashley I did this yeah. year right never gonna give you up I think I posted that episode I'm not you sure you might have yeah, yeah. But, but that happens you know every so often I'll, I'll put some of those but uh, uh, which makes sense not to be on talking metal but the other right. stuff when, right. I, when I'm talking to either a Def Leppard guy or whatever you've always been very kind to put it up there so thank you for that it helps cool. spread the word uh, yeah. cool and look uh, oh, hey Brian oh Brian from Helix standing right behind oh. Mitch LaFon do you want to do an interview put, later or now I can do something now if you want. There's a guy here supposed to be here from the Oh, he's right there. I'll go introduce you. Okay. Mitch is taking off to escort Brian from Helix <laughs> to his interview with uh, the, the metal voice. Helix, another band that played here at Heavy Montreal today. They, they opened the, uh, the festival... Yeah, they opened... Well, not, they, almost, they were the first band to play on the main stage on Sunday, July 29th. Helix, a diverse group here at Heavy Montreal um, this year, and every year, really, but uh, great stuff. You got everyone from Helix to Lee Aaron to Demon Hunter to Havoc to uh, Under Oath, who did To Limp Biscuit. Yeah, oh, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> Limp Biscuit. This should be interesting. I'll, I'll say this, and I don't want to sound like a homer, but that's the good thing about Heavy Montreal is that they bring in some of the greater known uh, Canadian bands. Yeah like a Helix, like a Lee Aaron, 
they'll bring in, uh, well, Sword and also, um, who else is, uh, Voivod is going to be here. And then they'll bring in some of the European bands, like the Emperor, that, uh, which you won't see necessarily at Rock on the Range or somewhere yeah. in the States. Yep. And then, of course, the American bands. Yeah. So if you have a choice between something in Albany or something in Vermont or something in whatever, Oregon, you're going to get a lot of American bands. But here you get this sort of weird mixture of stuff that you can't yeah. see. So the point that I'm trying to make is that it's unique. Yeah, it's exceptionally and, new. And it, I wonder what plays into that because there's different work visas and stuff that have to be issued for right. different countries. And I will just on kind of it's a little left field, but British Lions, Steve Harris's solo band or yeah. side band is doing a few gigs here, and they're not playing in the states, from what I can tell. Not yet. No, from, from what I understand, they're going to do the Canadian run, and then they're going to head down to South America. That's wow. that's my okay. understanding. And, you know, a lot of the bands that I talk to, like Uli John Roth and stuff that are European, uh, even yesterday there was this band here playing uh, called Ginger from Ukraine. Yeah. And they're we just saying, them. we yeah. can't get into the States. We just can't. It, right. it, it takes, what used to take two, three weeks or two, three months is now taking eight, nine, ten months. Right. And on top of that, you got to give American immigration the entire itinerary. So you have to book a hundred shows before you get to immigration. Right. But a lot of the promoters don't want to book a show if they don't know you're going to get into it. So it's this yeah, weird huh. catch-22 that promoter won't book you if they don't know you can get in, and the U.S. immigration won't let you get in unless you can prove to them that you've booked shows. Right. So, you know? Unless you're the, you know, Eric Baker at M3 who keeps booking loudness and they keep having <laughs> to cancel it. <laughs> having to cancel, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, but, but, you know, the other thing that's, that's unique here is that we have different tastes, you know. Our, we didn't have MTV. We had much music. So, right. Yep. So what people are expecting are very different than what popular radio was playing in the states. Or, or and, and so, so, you know, we'll wrap this up soon. But in no. Canada, radio stations, and you mentioned much music, which was 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 or maybe is the equivalent of what MTV used to be in the states well that, sort of i mean we played videos right. and we didn't get into game shows and stuff like that right so they they were required to play yeah. a certain amount of canadian yeah. artists yeah that, what is it 50% that, or well you know it it really depends on the stations but right. mostly it's about 70% wow, and that's okay. and that's called cancon which means canadian content so they call them the cancon rules and those rules are very strange because it's based on a star system. Yeah. So at one time, Brian Adams was declared un-Canadian because he had a song that was written by uh, Rod Stewart or something like that. Right. And it was it was recorded in London. And, oh, and the wow. only thing, he was a Canadian artist, so he got one star out of four. And so they said, no, that's not a Canadian content song. Oop. And you go, well, right. it should be. He's a Canadian yeah. artist, but that's yeah. not how it worked, you know? Yep. Yep. The Canadian content rules are, are strange. And you could also have an American artist be declared Canadian if it was recorded in Montreal, written That's by Celine Dion. I, yeah, right. yeah, I mean, remember like White Snake and all those, Aerosmith would all record their albums in Vancouver. You right. Mean? And that yeah. counted as a star. Yeah, I wonder if that so, played into it. You know? So they were more Canadian than, yeah. say, Rat, who was recording in L.A. Wow. Very interesting. Which is, it, it's a strange rule. But listen. Looking back at it now, you still have Brian Adams around that probably wouldn't have prospered without those rules. Yeah. Celine Dion wouldn't have prospered without those rules. Honeymoon Suite, Helix, all those bands wouldn't have prospered without those rules. So you're like, hmm, on one end, I like competition. And I just want you to be the better band. But on the other end, 
I, I personally wouldn't want to live in a world without Honeymoon Suite and Brian Adams. So yeah, right on. Yeah. Cool. Well, to take us out, we're gonna I think play some Limp Biscuit for the first time on the podcast. The band that's closing Heavy Montreal. Is this here. where you jumped the shark? Yeah, possibly, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> but here we go. A little Limp Biscuit band. I, I saw Limp Biscuit. Trying to think. I guess it was just once back on. Uh, I, I wanted I believe they played Ozfest and I remember they had a big toilet on stage. It's uh, it was the same Ozfest that <laughs> Soulfly uh, played, which was the first time I saw Max Cavalera. But anyways, here we go. A little limp biscuit to take us out on this episode of Talking Metal. Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. You don't really know why, but you want to justify ripping someone's head off. No human contact. And if you interact, your life is on contract. Your best bet is to stay away, motherfucker. It's just one of those days It's all about the he said, she said bullshit I think you better quit, let the shit slip Or you'll be leaving with a fat lip It's all about the he said, she said bullshit I think you better quit, talking that shit It's just one of those days, feeling like a freight train First one through the plane, leaves with the blood stain. Damn right, I'm a maniac, you better watch your back Cause I'm fucking up your program Oh, you can leave